the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be with you tonight. As always, uh, Friday night, a lot happening. What a long week it is. Uh, Feels like a lifetime ago that we were talking about the... um, I don't know, the mini Super Tuesday and the races in uh, places like Michigan and and uh, Missouri and other places. Uh, now we're sort of in this full-blown uh, mode here. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it. Uh, it's Ed Martin. Great to be with you. Thank you for listening. Uh, by the way... For those of you that will often email and text and all, uh, I will remind those that don't, if you want to get my daily email, it's available at edmartinlive.com. So just edmartinlive.com. Go there, fill out the uh, the form. It pops up if you're new to the site. And I promise you, 5 a.m. every weekday, you'll get the Wink email, what you need to know sent directly to you. Uh, it'll have a clip from the show. It'll have some key articles and it'll have my opinion on stuff. So please do that, edmartinlive.com. You can email me directly if you want to get in touch about the program. If you want me to cover certain issues or have questions, just email me, ed at edmartinlive.com, ed at edmartinlive.com. And also you can go on Twitter at Eagle Ed Martin, at Eagle Ed Martin, or you can text me. A lot of folks seem to like to text me at 314-256-1776. 314-256-1776. And always stick to the answer, sandiego.com. You'll see the show there as a podcast and uh, follow up on all the other details of the program. Now, uh, before I'll I'll talk in a minute about the coronavirus and we'll cover a lot about it. I think it's an important moment and I want to uh, give it all the weight it deserves. Uh, In a few moments after that, we'll talk with Ted Malik, our old friend, Dr. Ted Malik, who is uh, an author and a commentator and lives in London, although he's an American citizen. But Ted um, is going to call in from London and give us his perspective on a lot of these issues, uh, especially Europe and the decision to keep Europe out of the uh, uh, in, in the travel ban that the president uh, decided to do, which turns out to have been pretty darn right. I think he got the recommendation from his experts, and it turns out that um, the World Health Organization earlier today announced that between Spain and Italy and some other nations, um, Europe is the new epicenter of the Wuhan virus. So. Uh, Good for the president for listening to his advisors and knowing that. And after that, we'll talk with, uh, excuse me, we'll talk with Sam Sorbo. Sam Sorbo is, uh, of course, an author, an actress, and uh, a, a personality on radio and TV herself. We'll talk about her uh, new book and uh, her column in the Washington Times on uh, what the some of the public schools are doing to our kids. Uh, she's always a, a hoot and fun to talk to, so we'll talk to her in a few minutes. All right, what you need to know today, um, <clears throat> excuse me, this afternoon... Uh, I watched, um, many of you probably did, it was about noon, a little bit after noon Pacific time, that the president gave about an hour-long press conference and speech with an array of not only the public health experts, Dr. Fauci, Dr. Burks, um, Vice President Pence was there, of course, but in this case, also the CEOs and, and presidents of three or four of the leading research uh, companies, private companies, and then the heads of Target, Walmart, Walgreens, and CVS. 
And all these folks were at the White House to pledge um, and to talk about the plan to get as much as we could, as much testing as we can, and to make it drive-through testing. It's pretty extraordinary. Uh, the Walmart guy went first, and he said, we're going to give up our parking lots. We're going to make them into places where people can come and get drive-by testing. And uh, just was um, very visual uh, to hear that. And then, of course, the head of HHS, uh, who is uh, Dr. Uh, excuse me, Alex Azar, and then uh, Dr. Seema, I think her name is, who's at CMS, and, and I mentioned Dr. Fauci and Dr. Burks. It was very impressive people. So it, the president's ostensibly his press conference was to announce that he has declared a national emergency. And under the relevant laws that he has power to do that, it just frees up a whole bunch of powers. Um, he can waive requirements and regulations. Uh, his, his cabinet secretaries can. He can uh, put money into play. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me. He, he said he was also going to buy a bunch of oil to top off our oil reserves because oil's so low and it will help the market. Um, you get the point. It was a big, it was a somber um, event in many ways, but it was very impressive because the array of people behind the president uh, at the time, it was, you know, it was really very impressive. I mean, it was uh, it was the kinds of people that you expected to see, Pence and the doctors, and then some people I didn't expect to see, these uh, CEO types. And so I think, you know, the... Um, the um, it was it was a good impression. It was maybe a a better impression than the Oval Office speech from a few days ago because it had a little more context to it. It wasn't just the president sitting at his desk. But here's what you need to know. Here's the takeaway from this. Dr. Fauci is the one who's like Yoda. You know, he's a 79-year-old uh, doctor. He doesn't need to be at the center of this. He just does it because he's just a doctor, a physician. And Fauci stepped up to the mic at one point, Dr. Fauci, and he said that we have to flatten the curve, flatten the curve. And what he meant by that is when you have a virus that's going to infect a population, you look at it like a bell curve. And at a certain point, if enough people get infected, it spikes up. And that's the problem they're having in Italy, especially, and the problem they had in China and the problem they're having in some other places. That spike up. If it's too big, if, it, if it's too high, it can really lead to a strain on our medical system. And let me be clear. Everybody agrees that this virus is something stronger than the common, the flu. It's, you know, it's a, it's a kind of flu uh, on some steroids. But that's one problem, right? Caring for people who get it. We know how to do that. And that's going to be a lot of hard work. It's going to be a lot of patience. And some people are going to be really sick and some may even die. Some will die. The bigger problem right now and why you're seeing such extraordinary efforts is because, and this is what you need to know, we can't have a spike. If we have a spike uh, like the Italians had, we're going to have a problem in our in our healthcare system. <clears throat> Pardon me. We're going to have not enough beds, not enough healthcare workers, not enough people to care for them. So when we're saying we're going to flatten the curve taking all of these extraordinary measures to try to make it so that the spread is delayed and not spiking is the key. 
And so the president giving us a chance to have uh, uh, block China travel five weeks ago, four weeks ago, and now uh, uh, Europe two days ago, which I think takes effect tonight, actually. Uh, they, I think he's likely to add the UK to that. He didn't keep them on initially, but I think he will. But the fact is, we've got to flatten the curve. So there's all kinds of things you can do. Um, and I said yesterday on the program, you know, the people who are most likely to really suffer here are the people who are our elders, our mother and father, you know, honor your mother and father, our elders in our community, and those who are sick, those who have ailments that are, you know, chronic or others, you know, people that have bad asthma or heart conditions and things. So what does that mean? It means we have to take extra care to care for our elders and the vulnerable, well, that's pretty good in the sense that we're going to be aimed in the direction of doing what I think the the good Lord and the good word tells us to do. But in the interim, we have to be smart. You know, we have to be we have to understand why this is happening and what we're doing. We're trying to flatten the curve. What you need to know is we have to work together to flatten the curve. The White House and the now the government, they will do the things. Part of a national emergency means they'll get the National Guard, the, the state guards, to they'll get health care in the right direction. All the health care hospitals, excuse me, all the hospitals and health care um, uh, facilities under a national emergency can adjust their operations to get ready for the problems that we might face. But we have to be willing to change our behavior Yes, wash your hands. Yes, be more careful. But also, it's a time for this social distancing. It's a time for, you know, we're not going to have major events. You have to be willing to get within your space and take care of yourself and your loved ones. You know, the phones now make it so that you can talk to your loved ones that are, aren't nearby. You call your mother, call your father, call your cousin, call your uncle, call your neighbor. But for now, we have to try to, we have to try to flatten the curve. Really important really necessary. If you need to understand it better, go back and watch the press conference from today. Go halfway through, go 30 minutes in and you'll see the Q&A and you'll get Dr. Fauci speaking for about five minutes and you'll understand what it means to flatten the curve. You'll understand what it means to sort of get ourselves together and take these steps and we can do this. We can change our behavior to flatten the curve, to save as many lives as we can and to protect each other. That's what we have to do. And one thing I would say is by the end of the weekend, I think there'll be ability for people to get tests to know if you have the coronavirus, lots of availability. But as the president said, not everybody's going to get a test. You don't need a test if you're not really sick. It's not like this isn't like um, something simple. You need, we need people that are at the front line of this battle to be treated first. Again, we need to put aside our selfishness in a way. I mean, but, but, but put it aside in the sense that we're looking out for our elders and others. It's, this is complicated. This is not simple. This is not um, unserious. This is serious time. This is serious time. But it was a very good press conference today. I felt very good. And what you need to know is flatten the curve. We need to flatten the curve by changing our behavior, by coming together, by be listening to our doctors, listening to the professionals, the experts know. And don't panic. We've talked about it before. Panic is not helpful, but realism is needed. And we have to change what we're doing. All right, let's take a break, though. When we come back, we'll talk with my friend Ted Malik. We'll hear what's going on over across the pond. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin. You're listening to the Pro-America Report right here on The Answer San Diego. Be right back. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer San Diego. 
Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here, the Pro-America Report. Our old friend Ted Malik is with us. Dr. Ted Malik, he's got a lot of hats he's worn in his long career. He is a founder and the head of his own company. He's been a professor all over the world. He writes a lot of books. And he is also, I would say, one of the people who saw what Trump was about earliest and talked about that and wrote about it, and especially from his perch. He's American, of course, but he lives in London, and he had that perspective. And his newest newest book is called Trump world, uh, Geo Deus, uh, just out a few weeks ago, about six weeks ago, and uh, available wherever you get books. Welcome back, uh, Ted. How are you? Good to be with you, Ed. Well, so first, let me ask you, because it's the news all over the place, and uh, you've lived long enough and studied enough history to have a perspective, what's your sense right now of the Wuhan virus and this uh, the, the pandemic that's been declared and where, where things are? Give me your, uh, give me your assessment. Well, I'm glad you're calling it by its proper name. I call it Wuhan fever. Um, yeah. And, and uh, you know, the fact is, this, um, you know, this is a variety of very serious flu that originated um, in, a, in a you know in a food market uh, in in Wuhan, China. Uh, unfortunately, it has now. The WHO said, uh, I guess this morning or last night, has become a pandemic. So. This is another effect of globalization. These kinds of things spread around the world very quickly and uh, with great danger. So it shouldn't be underestimated. It's more serious than the flu. Uh, hopefully yeah. with warmer weather, it will subside. And hopefully with the kind of containment, particularly that uh, Trump has been willing to do, and he did it uh, with travel to China. Now, last night he did it with travel to and from Europe. Uh, it can't be contained in the United States, but it is serious. And in countries like Italy, uh, where the reaction was not quick enough, you're finding a country of 60 million people basically in quarantine and a couple hundred people dying a day. Yeah, and and the and the and the healthcare system being overrun. I tell people it's not we're not we're not um, our choice is not how do we end up with Italy and what can we do. It's we want to stop. What we want to do something different. We want to be aggressive in the in the in the uh, and and Indeed. make it so that yeah. we are doing things so that you're not facing that problem because it is a terrifying problem. And uh, and by the way, one footnote, of course, the EU was asked for help by Italy and they refused. They are worried about themselves right now. And you just say, well, there's that that great uh, uh, sovereignty. But Ted, we're talking with Ted Malik and, and Ted, the one question I want to ask you, because you'll have this perspective better than anybody I know. And by the way, you can go to tedmalik.com and see all of Ted's writings and his books and things. But the economy, you know, the Fed is pumping a trillion dollars into the economy now mm-hmm. to slow some of the, the problems. And, and that, that, well, okay, anything to stop some of the bleeding feels like a let's do it. But again, you, you kind of say to yourself, the fundamentals seem right, you know, jobs. and But it, there's this sort of sense of, of artificial up and down, in and out. I mean, what's your feeling on the economy and where, well, where, yeah. where well, are we right volatility. now? I mean, the volatility is clearly due to this uh, pandemic. I mean, the economy was doing, you know, seemingly well, jobs, numbers, uh, extraordinary, the stock market at all-time highs, unemployment at a record low, you know, until just uh, uh, basically two weeks ago. So it's turned, and it's declined, you know, precipitously. And, I mean, you know, there's nothing like fear and greed as motivators, in this case fear, uh, to turn the market down. Now, the underlying um, numbers in the economy and in individual companies are not anywhere near where the stock market is today. So the fact is, when this comes back, which I think will be, you know, probably within a month, two, could be three, so it's a period of time, you'll see, uh, you know, a, a quick bounce back, a recovery. 
I mean, that's certainly the hope. But there are a lot of problems in the intervening you know, period. There are a lot of people that live and work paycheck to paycheck. There are a lot of companies, some of them very small and medium size, that are going to take a horrible beating. And then there are specific industries, whether it's you know, hospitality, airlines, et cetera, that are um, you know, going to be really um, hard-pressed. I mean, some oil companies as a result of some other uh, doings between Russia and Saudi Arabia, are already off 50% from their, uh, uh, you know, from their uh, recent stock performances. So it, it, it is a, a, an economic calamity as well. The question is, can we pump some things into the economy? Can we stimulate things? I think Larry Kudlow has some very strong ideas about that. Could we, if the Democrats allowed us, they've obviously politicized this whole thing unnecessarily, could we cut some uh, you know, payroll taxes to give people a break? I understand that there is a discussion today, maybe even to delay the April 5th deadline on the you know, IRS tax um, uh, situation mm, such that collection. people could yeah, wait yeah. maybe even a, you know, a quarter to pay their taxes. That would help a lot of people. And I think we do have to help a lot of people, particularly the elderly and particularly those that are at the bottom of the economic ladder in this predicament. Uh, we're talking with uh, Ted Malik, uh, Dr. Ted Malik, and his website is tedmalik.com. And again, his book, which is out just a month and a half or so, Trump's World, J.O. Golly, Geo Deus. Ted Malik. Yeah, sorry. And but chapter on on the coronavirus. So we we you know didn't know all things. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's right. It would have been that would have been something if you did. Now, the reality of. The China situation. I mean, at this point, are we coming through this? And we, you know, I've heard the phrase used: we're decoupling with China. I mean, is that yeah. is this uh, sort of the, 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 the months ago, which is what we need to yeah. do? We need to change the supply chain. I mean, the, our elites have, particularly the financial elites, but also corporate elites, have made this marriage with China. I mean, somebody like Walter Mitty Biden, who I believe is the all-American crony capitalist, has his you know hands dirty you know, all the way up to his waist, frankly, on this China question. Yeah. But we have we capitulated to China, so we have to undo this. And this undoing, this great undoing, is a decoupling, and it has to do with the supply chain. So you're going to see companies moving out of China, diversifying, hopefully bringing a lot of those jobs back to the U.S., but also, let's be honest, you know, some of them might go to Malaysia or India or Bangladesh, who knows where else, but they can't be all in China because it's a very dangerous situation. I was told uh, actually this morning by someone that the United States does not manufacture penicillin any longer. We're completely dependent huh. on China for our antibiotics. Well, that is just plainly nuts. Yeah. Well, and, and, and it's easy to if you get your head on straight, which I think America has now, you just say that's a national security threat. Right. I mean, it would be like a, well, it, it would is. be like, at we a certain to, point. Letting, do that. The president yeah. did that last yeah. night. I think that case could have been made uh, even earlier. So we, we have to work at this. And I know Peter Navarro personally, of course, he's really making this case in the White House. So the president is getting very good advice from some of the closest people to him. All right, now Ted, this is the this is the this is the question I think that maybe is the most important one I can ask you. We're talking with Ted Malik, and you because you've been a you've been a teacher, you know, a professor, a teacher. You've been an an author, uh, you know, which you're you're a paid persuader of people. You got a lot of people in the country and in the world that are prone right now to 
hysteria. There's no better way to say it. I mean, and I'm not saying it's just on the left. I'm saying it's on yeah. every side. They're, no. they're no, prone no. to rushing in the wrong directions. How do you get people to understand, hey, you know, you do have a problem. There is a real virus. You know, the Wuhan virus is real, but you do mm-hmm. the right things and you, you're, you know, you're going to be fine. It feels like we're going between half the people are saying, this is nothing. It's just a mess. You know, it would be fine. And then people are saying, oh my gosh, if I just get another, uh, just another can of baked beans, I'll be able to stay in my bunker for another six weeks, right? I mean, it's a real problem, the balance. Well, I tried to buy toilet paper today, and it's all off the shelves in the U.K., so I have to find (laughs) an alternative there. But, I mean, they have a saying, you know, the Brits are always good at this uh, this, uh, sort of stiff upper lips. Uh, They say, keep calm and carry on. So I think that's right. very good advice. We, we need a calm head. We have to be rational. We have to look at the facts. The statistics on this particular ailment uh, obviously are, are not as uh, problematic as, say, the Spanish flu or something, even SARS before it. But we have to have a plan to carry on. And I, I think the president, and I don't even want to make this a partisan thing. I think there are a lot of political leaders on both sides of the aisle who want to do exactly that. And we've got to come together and do that. Well, and, and now I can see our listeners, uh, Ted, we have a cause. Ted Malik, ladies and gentlemen, is out of toilet paper. And so I will find his address. We'll post it on the Internet and we can all send him toilet paper one sheet at a time. Ted Malik. No, I'm just kidding, but we won't do that. I promise. So you can open your mail. You don't have to worry. But uh, no, that's great advice. Actually, that's a good. Although the other British, I think Churchill said the Americans do the right thing. It's just they do everything else first. Right. It's when they finally get to it or something like that. Right. I mean, I sometimes I wonder if, you know, we everybody's got their head on straight here and it looks like they do so uh uh very good all right thanks ted as always appreciate it very much again tedmalik.com we'll put it up on uh, social media we'll talk again very soon keep in close touch uh thank you uh we'll be right back it's ed martin here on the pro america report be right back this is the pro america report on the answer san diego Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. It's Ed Martin here in the Pro-America Report. Great to be back with you. And our next guest is an old friend of mine, Sam Sorbo. And Sam has been, uh, well, she's been writing books. She's been a radio host. She's been a TV star. She's been in movies, uh, a lot of things. But she's also got a column uh, just up recently over at the Washington Times, which is really great. I mean, it's great because it catches your eye with the title and you get into it. Uh, the title is The Liberalism Virus Infects Our Schools. And then it goes on talking about education. And I what I love is I'm, I, I respect his intellect and his success, but Bill Gates, I just don't trust almost anything he does. But anyway, let me get back to Sam Sorbo. Welcome back to the program. How are you, Sam? <laughs> I love that. <laughs> what a great <laughs> intro. And then and then you threw in the Bill Gates angle. He is poised. <laughs> well, He's perfectly poised to make a killing yeah. on this virus because all the schools are shutting down. Well, not all, but, but a lot of the schools are shutting down. They're sending the kids home and they're telling parents, get online. Well, who's developed yeah. a whole online curriculum? Well, okay, and even better, I don't know if you... I, I'm told yeah. he has offices in China. Yeah. And well, and, and, and minutes ago, a couple hours ago, I should say, or I don't know when, well, in the last two days, I, I heard this would happen. And then Biden came out and said, I've got a plan. Every American kid will get their own laptop. And you just say, well, well why not just hand our kids over to Bill Gates? We can just send them to Bill Gates house. But but Sam, I, here's what I want to ask you. Two things before I get to that. When I was looking at your bio, because you got all these movies you did and all this stuff. I never knew you were born in Pittsburgh. Did you grow up in Pittsburgh? I, I grew up in Pittsburgh. I wasn't born in Pittsburgh. I was born under the monorail oh. at Disneyland. 
<laughs> oh, really? Wow. Okay. Well, uh, but so you're born, but you're raised in Pittsburgh. You were raised in Pittsburgh, though. So yeah. how, I, this is a serious question. People tell me Joe Biden is going to win Pennsylvania because he's kind of a Pennsylvania guy. What's your thoughts? I, I want to buy your give me yeah. your Pennsylvania take on this. Yeah, sure. Uh, not that I not that I've been in Pennsylvania in uh, decades now, but um, but know, I'll tell you, uh, Trump is going to win by a landslide. But that doesn't mean that we should be complacent. But um, Joe okay. Biden on the debate stage, I'm sorry, if that's the best they can do, they they just there's just no way. I I, I feel for the guy. <laughs> I feel like he's losing it, and I'm and I'm sad about that for him. But um, the corruption trail that he's left behind him and everything else, there's just no way for them to hide it anymore. The American people are waking up and they're getting smarter and um, okay. and they know they know okay. who they want in the president. And it's not Joe Biden. Yeah. OK. All right. Good. I'm sorry. I just I digress because I saw that, I, you know, I have full on ADHD and everything. So I have to bounce around as many times as I can. But but back back to your column, back to your column. And I, and, and I, exactly. And I love that you did a video with it. It's on YouTube, which I'll put up on social media. It was very smart of you. And uh, and I like it a lot because a lot of folks love to watch something or listen to something more than they read, even just short columns. But but back to this question, you've been talking about this for a long time, education. And recently, some of the people who I admire who you to say let's fix public education have said we just can't and and it was a surprise to me they said we can't fix it you got to get out of it completely and i guess my question to you is is um you know where do you think we are i mean this president's been better about taking on some of the the, the threats to education but he hasn't done everything or maybe even enough where, where do you think we are so I'm all about freeing parents from the shackles of the public education system. Our government education system has really been very successful in teaching us how incapable we are. And that's sad to me because we are demonstrably very capable. Uh, we are the greatest nation in the world, right? And yet we're being dumbed right. down by our very education institutions. Um, and that's sad to me. So I'm about empowering parents. Uh, I think that I think that eventually there can be a fix, but the problem is that the education system itself is a socialist system, and so if we don't start addressing that, we will be we will be churning out more socialists, which is what we've done for the past several decades. We have all of these young people who think that somehow government is the answer, and it's not the answer. And until parents wake up and say, "Wait a minute," you know, their their answer to me a lot of times is, "I can't homeschool because what about socialization?" and and my answer is, well, I don't want my child to be a little socialist. I mean, we, we have to be thinking about what we're actually after in education. And if it is college prep and career readiness, well, look out, because what is college prep but a Ponzi scheme to get you to spend money on your child going to college? Not all children need to go to college. Not all children should go to college. But boy, are they raking in the dough hand over fist. And now, now they're shutting down colleges, sending the kids home. I want to know how many of the parents are demanding refunds, okay? They're not, yeah. because they've been taught to behave. And wh where were they taught to behave? In the government education system. So, you know, yeah, I, I have a book. It's called They're Your Kids. Yeah. It, it talks about all of this stuff. It talks about how easy it is to homeschool, how much easier it is than people think. Of course, they've taught you to think that you can't do it. That's job security for them. And I'm all about empowering the parents. You are more capable than you think you are. 
Uh, and we're talking with Sam Sorbo. And by the way, samsorbo.com, if you go there, you'll see a lot of her writings, a lot of these things. I do want to, I, I, you said something that I, my wife said to me. I, I flew home from Florida and I was on the plane and there was um, a family and the girls, both of the daughters were at Virginia and Virginia Tech and they're all staying home now and going online. And I said to their mother, don't you wonder after this is over, why'd you pay for their kids to go to these schools when you could have gone online? And she's like, I'm already thinking it. And maybe that's a fruit of this period. You know, maybe that's a positive fruit of this. And people will say, yeah. wait a second, I, I, I could have taught my children, you know, and, and on the other hand, that's of right. course, we've got our people, we've got our people uh, so conditioned that both parents are working and life has to keep going, going, going on. So it's, there's a lot of things, which reminds me though, before I run out of time, I want to go not forget Sam, you and your husband, Kevin had this, uh, a series of uh, devotionals that you wrote. I mean, one of the things you guys are one of the more, to me, one of the more prominent couples, you know, Christian couples who are sort of famous. And it's a really cool uh, thing. You sent me, I don't know, somebody sent me a copy called true faith. I think, is it true faith or is that the, what are the devotionals that you did? You did tell me the name of that. Okay. So, 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 so True Faith is a book that we just came out with. It's called True Faith, Embracing Adversity to Live in God's Light. You can get more information at samsorbo.com. And to go, out, to go along with the book, we produced a free mini devotional for marriage because we uphold the institution of marriage. And that is sort of, that's a little bit of the focus of the book, True Faith, because marriage is, yes, it's a, yes, it's a statement of our Christian faith, right? But it's also just a statement of faith for you to walk down the aisle and say, yeah, this guy for the rest of my life. <laughs> it's like, that takes a lot Wait. of faith. And it takes faith to get about- through marriage. <laughs> it takes faith to get through the yeah. hard things. And so that's what the book's about. My wife didn't call you ahead of time. That would have been what she said. I think if it, she always she likes to say something like God gave us grace in marriage because otherwise how would I put up with you? She says it to me, not uh but it's it's so true and, and the great thing <laughs> the great thing Sam yeah, the great thing Sam is that we need more folks willing to say it. I think one of the problems in a lot of our church communities is you know, it doesn't feel like we have a lot of leaders, you know, and we're waiting around maybe for the next uh Billy Graham or the next, you know, uh, you know, uh, Fulton Sheen or something and and they're, they're, it's not we can't wait anymore. You know, there's there's too many things going. All right, let well, me ask you this you about the the. Go ahead. Yeah. Let me just comment on that for just a minute. We've got youth graduating from high school professing to be Christians. They get to college, eighty five percent of them fall away from the church. What are the pastors doing wow. to combat that? They're going to be out of business in another generation. You pastors out yeah. there, you need to be talking to your congregations and telling them, stop sending your children to government institutions that teach them that Christianity is a fairy tale. Yeah. Wow. It's good. I'm glad to see. I'm glad I touched on that. That's perfect. Now, one last thing. The Wuhan virus, that's what I call it, this coronavirus and all, and and, and being worried, right? Uh, uh, normal people worry, especially when you say it's seniors and, the, and the, those that are vulnerable. How do you balance that? How are you feeling about everything, Sam, and what's going on? What, how, do you, how do you talk to what's happening for people to kind of keep, make sure that they're paying attention, but they're not panicked? Well, I think that um, I think that it's obvious. There have been reports now that there are cures, or at least uh, ways of mitigating the, the issues and addressing the problem. Um, I'm more concerned about the mass hysteria that's being drummed up by the press on all of this. Right. So H1N1, the swine flu under Obama, they had a thousand deaths before Obama declared any kind of issue over it. Trump declared this to be an issue without a single American death. 
and rightly so, right? But the but the the media has just whipped it up into this this national frenzy, and so we're canceling all kinds of things left, right, and center. And I just don't. I I I think that it's. I think that we're overreacting because the media is feeding into it. I think that it's a play against Trump. I think they're trying to take the the markets. Um, and 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 I'm and I'm concerned because there's so many people who are just so gullible, and now everybody's running yeah. around like ch- chicken little. Well, I think you're right about that gullibility. That's for sure. Okay, Sam Sorbo again. The website is samsorbo.com. She's got everything going. A million things in these videos. She's got. She also does a bunch of radio. You can follow her. Um, it's, it's she's really uh, one of our treasures. So thanks, Sam, for the time. And we'll post everything and come back again very soon. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Take care. All right. Thanks, Sam. We'll take a quick break. We'll be right back. It's Ed Martin here on the Pro-America Movement. We'll be right back. This is the Pro-America Report on The Answer, San Diego. Welcome back. Welcome back. Ed Martin here on Pro-America Report. Great to be with you, and uh, thank you for listening. And uh, let me say, I'll finish up uh, tonight as we go into the weekend and, and just give you a word of encouragement. A word of encouragement, a word or two of encouragement, because a lot of people are telling us lots of things and trying to scare us. And I know uh, we have plenty of reasons to be scared. I mean, there's some things to worry about in the world. There always is. Uh, and right now we have this un- unknown uh, sort of um, a pandemic that is, you know, people are dying in Italy at staggering numbers. You know, in the last 24 hours, I think it was 200 people passed away or something extraordinary like that. So we have we have to worry about it. But I want to uh, pause. And I want to encourage you to understand two things about this. One is we can't panic and give in to despair ourselves. You know, despair and panic, but despair especially, is the sin. It's a sin of believing that all is lost. All is lost and neither God nor the work we do can save us from disaster. And so, you know, people but are believers like I am. They believe despair is a sin. But in, in practical terms, it's self-defeating. It's not American. It's, it's historically false because we know that nothing is ever lost for good. We know that nothing is ever lost forever. We know that whatever it is, we have hope beyond this world, of course. That's the ultimate way that despair is a sin. But also we know as Americans, we can do anything. We can do anything we put our minds to. We can build ourselves up. We can build the world up. We can take care of people. So we have to be careful about despairing. We have to be very careful about thinking, oh, you know, government is this and that. Also putting too much hope in government. But a lot of folks around us, I believe are resisting understanding the reality of what's happening because they don't want to hear it. They don't want to th- they want to think it's a panic and they don't want to uh, be engaged. I, look, we have to be engaged on this, but we can fix it. We'll, we'll do fi- we'll, we'll, we will do fine. It will be it will take some hard work. It'll take some suffering, but we can do it. Now, I want to make two more comments, though, about this one. We do have an obligation to protect our children I, I despair of, that's a pun because I just said don't despair, but I, I, I just can't stand it when I see the adults making children's lives crazy and making children's We have to take the time to explain to our children what's happening and give them the encouragement they need to give them the understanding of what's happening, that everything will be all right, that we'll take care of them, that it will turn out right. So, you know, while we shouldn't, none of us should give in to despair. 
And we shouldn't, when we see others giving into despair, because there will be, excuse me, hard times coming, I'm telling you. I'm not predicting it, I'm describing it to you. There will be difficult times coming in the coming weeks. And we should not despair. We should fortify ourselves in faith in the Lord and faith in America, in every one of us, whether you're red or blue, Democrat, Republican, independent, whatever. We know how to do this. You will see acts of ingenuity and kindness like you never expected in the coming weeks in the face of what appears to be very, very, very frightening and terrifying and scary and unsettling times. But two things. One is we have to protect our children. They don't need to be pulled into the despair. They don't need to be made to panic. The the danger of this terrible media and the media's demand, the business model is to create a train wreck and then cover it, is it affects our kids. We should protect our children. We should not just protect them from harm, but protect them from fear. It's not, we don't have to be lying. We don't lie to them, but we have to protect them. So remember, one is don't despair yourself in these difficult times that are coming. But two is protect our children. But three, we have to unpack and unpanic. The media and our neighbors and ourselves and our fears make us want to panic. The market goes up and down, the market goes down and down, the market goes this and that, oil goes down and this goes up and that goes sideways and this. We have to unpack and unpanic. It's our, we just have to do it. We have to slow down. You have to listen to shows like this and listen to The Answer San Diego. Understand, unpack the truth. Understand what the reality is. Realize that we can flatten the curve on this stupid virus and we can de- take care of each other in this time. We can unpack all the details. We can treat each other well, figure it out, use ingenuity, and we have to unpanic. We have to be the ones. Turn the TV off if you have to. I was watching the president's speech earlier today, and I'm watching the stock market go up. I'm thinking, oh, great, the stock market's going up. But halfway through, the stock market went back down. And I'm thinking, man, if you watch the stock market too much, you, your head will hurt from going up and down. Your neck will be sore. So we have to figure out our ways to unpack the truth and then unpanic as to what's happening. It's very important. It's very important. So, you know, I'm, I'm, by the way, I'm, some of what I was earlier saying, I'm quoting from a great Phyllis Schlafly commentary from 1983. And she says um, at the very beginning of this uh, commentary, she's a, a portion of it. She's talking about hope and despair. And she was saying that in the 1980s, 1983, they were having lots of studies still of lots of those w- wonderful, incredible POWs who were... Um, who were um, came back from the war. One of her great friends was uh, Senator Jeremiah Denton, U.S. Senator from Alabama, and they had survived this incredible turmoil. And they talked about what is it that made them keep going. And they were talking about how some of the soldiers and sailors and others ended up. They had a, 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 a gate. They had a, They were victims of of a new disease. They called it "give it up." Get, excuse me, "give up itis," and that they despaired. They lost their will. And when they lost their will, they they lost their ability to continue. And many of them, you know, not their fault, by the way, the fault they were is the fault of the communist Vietnamese that did this to them. But they gave up. We have to remember at our best, we at our best, we lift each other up. We have to find those moments, you know, even as we're actually, it's funny, we're social distancing because of the threats, but we have to find ways to connect. 
So, you know, this may be a good time to to uh, to rediscover your 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 uh, lifelong habit that probably has changed in the last few years of making phone calls. If you were if you're my age, I'm almost 50 years old. Back in the when I was a kid, we used to I used to sit on the phone for hours and talk to my buddies. You know, your phone was attached to the wall. Of course, there was no portable phones and there was no cell phones. So I'd sit attached to the wall, big, long cord. And we call friends, call a girlfriend from uh, college, talk for hours, put the phone next to your head. Well, we have to rediscover some of the connection to people that we know are in need, that need encouragement, that are despairing. We can be the antidote, not for the virus, not for the Wuhan virus. We'll have to other people will take care of that. But for the for the for the virus of despair and the virus of give up it, give up itis. We can be sub, we can be the people. This is a great challenge in these hard times. Our opportunities for us to build on the things that we know we love: our families, our, our elders, those that are you know those that are vulnerable. There's nothing better than helping somebody who's in need. You you feel like it's your you feel like you're lifted up as you help somebody. You feel like your soul is just sent through the through the sky. So we've got to figure out how to do that, and it's going to start day to day. And I'm just, I'm just again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not predicting. I, I'm just describing what I can see now, what I know. When the president and his team is out there having that kind of press conference, it's, it's not because they're telling us uh, everything that they see. They see more than we do. They know more than we do. There's more tough times coming, but together we can do it. Together we can do it, and that's what we have to do. All right. Uh, next week, we will have a lot more. I'm going to get, I've already talked to the White House. I'm going to get some experts that they'll feed to us on the uh, coronavirus itself, on the Wuhan virus, on what we can do, some of the more specific things to kind of go through that. But for now, I would say unpack the truth and unpanic. Unpack the truth and unpanic. And don't forget, just don't despair. Don't despair. Take care of yourself. Get healthy. It's a good time to exercise a little more, to walk around your neighborhood, get some sun. Um, you know, all these kinds of things they say to be healthy. And look out for your look out for the elders in your life and your uh, and the vulnerable in your life. Those two groups need us now more than ever. So uh, that's my tip for today. And I'll put up again this social on social media. I'll put up this uh, great column from Phyllis Schlafly from 1983. I think you'll enjoy it. So thank you as always to our technical director and executive producer Noah. Uh, Noah Dingley, who does so much at The Answer San Diego and, and takes care of things as we have these fast-moving times. He's a huge help. And also Joanna, who produces the show out of St. Louis, helps us book guests and keep us on schedule. So thanks to two of them, and thank you for listening to the program. It's so important uh, that we have the great listeners of The Answer San Diego and continue to build this voice. It's so important, especially at this time. Please uh, get the program as a podcast, wherever you get podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, and pass it on to your friends. Spread the word. That's why we do this, to keep building up the community. Unpack, unpanic, don't despair. We'll be back Monday. Have a great weekend. God bless you. It's Ed Martin and the Pro-America Report. Talk to you then.